Hey, two badders. I've got a little offer for you. We wanted to help out a friend who's been helping us out for the last two years. If you've ever received anything from the Bad Boy Running Club or from Caffeine Bullet, you'd have noticed that they have an array of amazing stamps on them. And that's because of mysportsandmore.com. They do our fulfillment, but also have an amazing service that I think you'd all like. You can use your old tech to save money on a new GPS watch, be that a laptop, phone, or even your existing watch. You just buy from their site, and once it arrives, send in your old tech to receive the money back. It's that simple. And it means you can upgrade your old watch without ever having to go without the use of your GPS. So go to mysportsandmore.com today. They're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Admit I was a clone to be messing around, but that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Hey, how you doing, JD? I'm all right, David Hellard. How are you? I'm all right, Mr. Rainsford. You see, I I'd use a surname then. I kind of because I realised I just said your first name. Yeah. Why? Why do you say David Hellard? I mean, it's good for the podcast, but it just sounds like we're not friends. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> That's a good point. It's very I well just, done. I want to keep Sorry. that element of formality between us. <laughs> because, they say, because they say, because they say, because he says it in the um, in the intro in the intro song, um, and I started saying it, um, David Hel- Hellard, because he doesn't say your name quite right, and then I went back to just saying David Hellard, um, because this is this went over because I wanted you to say my name. And eventually you did start saying my name and now it start, started working. I've carried on saying David Hellard. Gotcha. Okay, so you, you were um, Destiny's but... Childing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I'm trying to, because, so if, you, if you're new to the podcast, because uh, I think we get, this is going to be an episode which will get quite a few new, new listeners because we're, we're, top, we're approaching a topic that just doesn't seem to have been approached properly, which is crazy. But um, we have in previous episodes said we're, gonna, we're trying to steer away from too many corona conversations because everyone's kind of bored of that now. And also our episodes take ages to come out and it means it's less timeless. But I've got to say, Jenny, I am just, I'm just overwhelmed by corona goodies. What? Like what? Well, so... I'm going to reveal a little bit of my secrets. I make a list of things to talk about. Okay. During, and um, over the course of Are you the... already wait a minute already already you're ruining it for the for the or for the for the listeners because I... they think that this is just thrown together at the last minute. Don't say that you've prepared in any way because it. That's that's true, but the trouble is, no one's going to believe that my my memory and my my knowledge of these things is, is so great when I then can't re- remember Kipchoge's name or potentially even my fiance's no, that's name. That's the thing, but that's the thing. You still have a list 
and you still mispronounce the names and, uh, <laughs> and the dates and everything else. And that's the, if you say, well, I haven't, I didn't have a list in front of me. That's why I couldn't remember. That's when, that's when it sounded okay and valid. The fact that now people know you've got a list and you're still saying the name wrong. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit hitters with some code. Okay. okay. So we're going to keep the intro reasonably short, mainly because it's quite a long interview. Um, but we have both been sitting on a conversation about, well, before we, before I even say, what we'd like to do on the podcast is we invite people on, we uh, suck up to them for ages to get them on the podcast, we have a lovely interview, and then straight away afterwards, we absolutely destroy everything it is about them or their business as much as possible. So, um, so following our interview with, with, with Dean Carnassus, who we absolutely love, where he was talking about the, the Spartan Trail series as, as part of various other things, CBD oil, all of that. Oh, yeah. um, Spartan race. Go on. How are you, fe- how are you feeling? So, Firstly, you sent me the post of Joe DeSena. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, oh, wow. Um, go, go on, explain it. Explain it if people, if people haven't seen it. Now, if you... I mean, I'm assuming everyone knows Spartan races. Um, they're very controversial, typically. Joe's good at courting controversy. So it means whenever he says something, it's always hard to know is this what he means or is he just trying to get some PR? So Joe posts a post saying COVID-19 doesn't stand a chance. Start Spartans. What is your profession? Saying uh, with an image of a slightly overweight um, fella who is holding a a beer or something. And it says, um, let's get, the one on the left and then there's a, a very attractive woman in skimpy clothes with a spartan top saying there's no way she's a spartan so the, <laughs> so, so the, vi- the virus is having a discussion between itself saying that there's no way they're going to get the guy who's a little bit overweight drinking beer there's, they're going to get him because there's no way that they'd want to attack um a, a spartan runner yeah and from there's quite a big well, that's response. how it works that's how it works isn't it? <laughs> i mean isn't that this is that this isn't an infographic this is a, this is this is scientific text in the u.s it is i mean thank i just fear for for africa because you know the spartan race hasn't reached there yet so they're all gonna die obviously but um yeah i it's and this this then was backed up so obviously crazy irresponsible journalism but it was then backed up by the fact it's, that... not, it's not journalism come on let's not this is crazy irresponsible journalism. journalism it's not journalism at all <laughs> you're it's right not, it's not even facts sorry sorry it's, it's words and images thrown at the internet true <laughs> good point so it, it then is backed up by the fact that spartan are putting on the first race for what i can tell of any organization that i've heard of in florida what, what date? Surely it's going it's, to be a. You know, it can't. It's not going to be in Europe because in Europe they, you know, they've all been postponed to autumn at the at the earliest. So in America, what what's the what's the date of the June the thirteenth? So <laughs> so in a couple of weeks' time. In as, a couple of weeks, it, and it, it's crazy, isn't it? It, it just seems as if the you know, like we 
we as a globe seem to be diverging in many ways. And I often think that as Westerners are all the same, but actually COVID is something that has really pointed out the difference between America and England in who, how we view things, how we respond to things, oh, yeah, absolutely. trust of government. And it's, this is just crazy because previously with, with Spartan where there are some things where it has affected people's lives. For example, John Album was essentially cheated out of a million dollars, um, which probably has affected his life quite a bit, but there's rarely been situations that Spartan have done something that I think will end in death. And I do think this will end in death. And that's it's, crazy. I mean, I just, well, whether it ends in death or not, it's just one of those things that I suppose, you know, in the relation to everything else that's happening in the US, like most of the US is going to be back open by, by that time. And so it fits in with it. Although this was one of the first things to um, say that it's going to be going ahead. Um, I just wonder how the other, what the other race organisations, like Iron Man, basically, haven't got anything, nothing is going to happen uh, in Iron Man in Europe for, for the rest of this year. That, I mean, that's, that's likely. And a lot of the races that have been put back to, to autumn um, are, are going to be postponed all the way till 2021 now. So I wonder what they do in the US, whether it's really interesting, like as an organisation, like are they, you know, how... If they're allowed to open, do they open? How yeah. much do they really care about um, uh, uh, health of their and, competitors? And, and actually, with the, it, it is tricky because some organisations are going to have greater financial pressures than others. Um, but if you're th to think of a sport that is not a good idea to do during a corona crisis i'd say a sport where you have to repeatedly touch items yes, that's it yes, but you then queue for on mass yes absolutely and they must have someone in between every time someone touches, there must be another person there spraying it and wiping it off do you think but, that's it? I, I mean i've not been to a spartan race but i imagine they're incredibly sterile environments it's and they they're saying they're going to do the queuing um that you will have to queue responsibly can you imagine <laughs> can you in a race can you imagine that where in reality there's going to be some local hero who's never won before this is his chance he's going to be going all out but they're they're hiding behind the fact that they in essence you race normally but when you come into registration, you you get the, the is it the thermometer gun that checks your uh, temperature, right? And that they think is enough because they're like, well, we do that, and that then means that uh, we know everyone's going to be okay. But the trouble is, so I, I looked this up and. The symptoms can develop between two and 14 days after exposure, which means you could have the virus, but the temperature check wouldn't catch it because you have no fever yet. Plus, not everyone gets, who gets it runs a fever. So um, the disease presents itself in many ways. And when they did a study, the Journal of American Medical Association on the 22nd of April found that 
of 5,700 people seriously ill with COVID, two thirds didn't have a fever. So that means already 60% of the people, if everyone going has COVID, only, six, only a third of them will be showing up on this. But then there's also people that won't even show up yet. And so you're looking at a test that has over 70% wrong prognosis. Which I is guess, what, I mean, what, a, what, a, what an afterthought to justify it. I mean, really, what an afterthought uh, to think, oh, well, you know, we've, we, we've run that, therefore it's, it's responsible. <clears throat> the thing is, it's perfectly understandable with organisations wanting to get back to doing stuff as soon as possible. It's perfectly understandable for um, uh, retail outlets, businesses wanting to get, get back to, to, to being normal. The thing is, you know, Spartan are now in, in, in ultras. They could put on races which would st- still allow people to, mm. to, to, you know, to properly be able to distance from each other. Yeah. That, that wouldn't have that amount of exposure. They, and they have the capacity to be able to do it. They throw these things up and then you know, put, put them, you know, build them and then take them down. And you know, they're, they're pretty good at that. All they're going to do is take them down in this situation. Uh, yeah. And so they have, they have the capacity to do it. it. There's something weird about this. There's something weird that, that is almost like defiant um, mm. about... And, and I think that's the, the main thing that we've seen come out of the US. There's a defiance about it. It's a cry about, of freedom. From... It's like a, yeah, exactly. It's like a, but the fact is that the virus doesn't care. <laughs> like, you, 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 the virus doesn't care about your liberty, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and that's the, <laughs> you can't shoot the virus in its face and tell it that you're, you're a free person because um, it just doesn't work like that. Yeah, and, and the fact that they're doing one, it would be interesting to see because, interestingly enough, a couple of days after I, I read about this, they had fired. There, there is a, a check, a website that checks the number of cases in Florida. Yeah. And they fired the person who's responsible for that because she wouldn't uh, fake the data. <laughs> And they've really? openly fired her for it. That's the reason given that she was fired. Wow. So, you know, we're in a, you're, you're going to race in a state that is intentionally lying to you about your, the chances of catching Corona and the situation. And yeah, um, it's just, it's just so odd. It's just such a difference. Well, in thank, psyche. Goodness, thank goodness Florida doesn't have a huge population of elderly <laughs> people. Yeah. Uh, thank, thank goodness, you know, um, oh my goodness! It's um, I, you know what the the thing is, you know, I can completely understand that people are sick of it, and mm. you know, and they'd want it to end, and you know, it, but there are other formats of races. There are other ways of doing. You know, the, the, you go out now, actually, uh, running, and like everyone's out. There's so many people; it's almost impossible to socially distance mm. um, because there are so many people out. But still, that is better than touching stuff that other people have touched uh you, you can at least and i'm normally all least... for touching you know <laughs> you are all for maybe touching. a bit too That's much no. <laughs> <Andy Hellart. laughs> that, could be, um, so that could be very misinterpreted um, uh. <laughs> but good news good news did you see about zach bitter no so we had him on was it half a year ago let's say for the the 100 mile record he's broken the 100 mile record on a treadmill oh really 
Do you think it'd be quicker or slower? More quicker. No, it's really interesting read. So normally when you read an article about someone breaking a record that isn't a kind of point of view of them afterwards. I think we're talking about, we're talking about quicker than on a track rather than quicker than the original treadmill record. Otherwise it wouldn't be a record. So it's quicker than the treadmill. That is true, but not quicker than a track. And I was, I wouldn't know. I'm not sure if I'm surprised by that, but. Yeah. What is the the thinking behind it? Yeah. Because you are. So it's a less competitive. Well, but then the the competitiveness doesn't matter because you're, you're setting the pace yourself. But he said he had real problems that he hadn't perceived. And. So they ended up setting up two treadmills next to each other. Yeah. Because they turn off after a certain amount of time. But also... What, like the ones at the gym that turn off after 15 minutes? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, that's really yeah, annoying, isn't it? You do a 45-minute yeah. thing, you're going to stop it twice. No oh, one can ever well, run further should, than this. He should join a better gym. He shouldn't be such a hikey <laughs> and like, end up doing, going to some cheap gym. It's like it's like the video. Watching his attempt was like watching the video for OK Go. So, no, not OK Go. Oh yeah, OK Go. You seen that one? No. Where he sings it, jumping from side to side. The whole band are on treadmills, and they they do. Look it up. Look it up. Anyway, um, so he had issues with. Firstly, the the heat in the room was ridiculous because all of the heat was coming off the treadmills then they had issues with the the amount of energy it was using for the two treadmills as well in the one room and the fans and various things <laughs> but he was also saying what you forget is on a track no matter what the temperature is you're moving into new air whereas he's essentially in his own baking air the whole time but then there's like ventilation at this point. Where did he do this? <laughs> what did he do? Did he do this in like a municipal gym? Well, he wanted like to tie in with the San Quentin Penitentiary <laughs> Marathon Club. So he was actually in a, in a jail cell. He's in a jail cell. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it sounds like he had a horrific time where he was, he was having real issues with, um, with his nutrition because he wasn't <sighs> drinking enough. And then he'd have to keep on changing. But even within... A mile, he'd be changing every minute the speeds because he was finding it too tricky. So I, when he did the race, I was when he set the record. Before I'd read the report, I didn't think there was much point in talking to him about it because it was so obvious what the, the story is. But he was he was I think forty minutes slower than he was outside, and he really, really struggled, which is, it's just, it goes against what you'd expect. But even mentally, he was really struggling with the boredom and the repetition. And it because sounded you know, as if... Because if you're, on, if you're on a treadmill, you know that you're going to fail, don't you? Rather than, you know, when you're in a track, there's always that thing, all right, you know, you're always pushing against it. But if you're on a treadmill and you know what the pace is, because you've set the pace and you know it's not going to be faster than your track time, you know it's going to be slower. So that's mm. got to be that's got to be an issue as well. Yeah. So, I mean, firstly, congrats, Zach. Given what I've read, that's an amazing, amazing achievement. But um, have a look at the Runners World article, listeners. It's it's a good one. Runners World US, and we'll 
we'll line Zach to talk about this at some point, probably wait until he's doing something else as well. So we've got more to talk about than just this, but um, yes. And then just to leave you with, before we go into this episode, are you a fan of Eilish McCulgan? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Have you seen her Instagram post from a few days ago? Um, she is switching it up, isn't she? She, in fact, I wasn't, I wasn't talking about that. Oh, yes, not? Oh, okay. Well, but, go on. That, that is the good news as well. So it, it, tell the podcast the good news. So she's going to be switching up from, uh, she's going to be switching up to the marathon to uh, go to the Olympic Games. Which is, that's quite ballsy. Punchy. Punchy. You like it? Yeah. And given that her mum was absolutely dominant in the marathon, that's exciting as well. Really yeah. exciting. And also, the good, what, I'm ex- what I like about it is I rarely see the, the front of the London Marathon men's. Uh, they go because of the way I cross the bridge when they are. Whereas the women's, it means I can actually cheer on Eilish, which should be great. But have you seen that? So her, her Instagram post is actually linking back to one of our favorite topics from the beginning of the, the beginning is the episode, Mr. Jimmy Savile. No, I didn't see it. Go on. So, <laughs> she wished her mum happy birthday. He posted a photo um, of her as a child with her mum, which is very cute. Um, and she's running and her mum's there as she's running it. And he said, here's a throwback to one of my favourite pictures together, running the kids race at Balmoral. We'll just forget the fact that you and dad then left me with Jimmy Savile for the rest <gasps> of the day. <laughs> Love ya. <laughs> and it's had quite a response on instagram as you'd expect with some people somehow taking offense at that um Why? i don't, know. I don't know. It. yeah i think I, I don't understand how you could but i just i love that story because as a parent when you started to find out the news about jimmy you would have flashbacks wouldn't you yeah yeah you would absolutely You'd be like, hey, 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 hun. Um, remember that time with Jimmy? How how was it? Did did he did he show you anything? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the fact that you throw it back at them in a comedy way with a with a laughing emoji in a in a boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> oh, that's something I love is just how publicly it makes your parents look terrible as well. <laughs> Yeah, but then it's time you left me with Jimmy Savile. I mean, like this, how worse could it be? <laughs> yeah, so listeners, who else has been left with, uh, with, with, with a predatory beautiful? <laughs> Wait, I'll tell you what, though. I'll tell you what, this is actually a brilliant seg. A brilliant seg, because it was, it was Elish McColgan, who I think was one of the, I'm not sure she was necessarily the first, but she certainly was very high profile about talking about... Uh, the problems of being uh, on a period and getting a period during um, uh, during races and during qualifying, and uh, you know, and, and, and I think that happened just before we spoke to Liz. Um, and mm. She's been very open about talking about it, which has really sort of opened it up. And so, yeah, that is uh, that that segs into into our guest brilliantly. Yeah, and, and we probably should put a bit of a I wouldn't say a warning, but 
This is an episode, so we've, we've recorded this last night, and it's quite long, which is great because it goes into all the detail that we'd hoped to talk, but, to talk about, but I will be quite honest, I think there will be some blokes who won't find this quite as engaging as our usual episodes, but I think this is a topic that's so important for everyone to talk about and for everyone to understand. So I would say you're the type of person that just skips past things because you don't think it's for you. Um, I, I, just listen to this, especially if you're involved in running clubs and running coaching, anything like that, because it is so important that there no longer is a taboo and that we can openly talk about these things, which is why we've got our next guest on. So Nick, take it away. So do badders. When we have an amazing guest, we get them back again. And if you haven't listened to Reedy in the past, go back and listen. She's a, a specialist in actually it's not really she does loads of different nutrition, but she's she's one of the best, if not the best, um ultra nutrition um experts. And recently she's put out a an ebook which is a called an athlete training diary for females. And we thought we wanted to talk about that because, because Jodie and I don't know anything about it other than, I mean, we've been studying women as much as we can for years, but we, it really hasn't helped us. <laughs> please don't, and, please um, don't phrase it like that. <laughs> don't, don't phrase it like that. What a weird thing to say. And but, that is why I'm here. That's why Ali's here. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we've got Alice yeah. on the phone as well. And, um, <laughs> but the intention of this... <laughs> Is, is not just to to help out our female listeners with actual specific training, specific questions to do with their bodies, but actually we're hoping that everyone listens to this because it should just become common knowledge and it should just become normal. It seems almost like a taboo subject. Um, so we've got back on the podcast, Reedy McGregor! Thank you very much. What a lovely introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, where's where's a good place to start? I mean, should we actually go through female physiology from zero to death and, and analyze it that way, or is it better? We've to got, we talk haven't got about... that long, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> not that long. Oh, it's relatively simple, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes. we're very simple creatures. <laughs> um, actually, the we were, I was um, talking to David earlier today, and we were asking a question. We're like, how how much like have you been asked to speak about uh, like women's health issues and things on other running podcasts? How, how talked about it is this? Is it, is it still a relatively taboo thing? Cause we were thinking, well, it's a bit odd that we're doing this, but surely loads of other people um, are, are speaking about this all the time, but no, we don't no. know. I, so the first time I spoke about it was actually on my own podcast on the train brave podcast, because obviously um, it's my podcast. So I decide what we talk about. And, um, and also because I work with Chris and he works, you know, he's a strength, strength coach and he works with a lot of women. And so we were just being asked so many questions all the time. Um, so that was kind of the first time I think it's really gone out there in terms of on a running podcast. I've briefly spoken about aspects of it on Marathon Talk when Holly's interviewed, interviewed me, but we've never gone into this much detail um, and, and the training book only came out a couple of weeks ago. So you are the first people to get me on to discuss it. So, uh, so yeah, I'm excited. Well, it's probably come out for about 10 weeks. So, uh, we'll, by the time it comes out, <laughs> we'll be the last anyway. <laughs> but yeah, um, from, 
is, are the major problems with the fact that we still view humans as one? I think, so the reason why I wrote it was because, you know, I've worked in sport for over 10 years now. And all the studies I read generally have all been male athletes. We looked at this many male athletes. We looked at this many male athletes. And obviously I work with a mixture of male and female athletes, but you always have to take into consideration that females do have an additional, I guess an additional aspect of them that is often ignored, which is that we have a menstrual cycle. And, you know, when I've questioned um, academics, scientific academics, why haven't we got papers on females? Why aren't we looking at the female menstrual cycle? Why aren't we looking at how it impacts performance? Why aren't we looking at, why don't we use them when we're looking at endurance sport, for example, and, and what, what substrates are being used they're like well it's really difficult to get a group of women who are all at the same point in their menstrual cycle to keep it controlled so I got that I understood that but obviously the more and more I've worked in particularly like in I suppose in women's health in terms of like red s and um, the more I've understood about (laughs) hormones in general and um, and kind of like how it impacts your performance the more interested I became in understanding what, I suppose like how it, how it affects, affects you day to day and week to week. And what was interesting for me was probably the first female athlete I worked with on this particularly was actually about 10 years ago. And I remember her coming into clinic and she was talking about her symptoms and I was like, are you tracking this against your menstrual cycle and she goes no I never really thought about it because nobody would talk about it nobody would sort of even suggest that there could be any reason so we did our own first ever experiment like I did it 10 years ago I've you know still got the the plan somewhere where we just adapted her diet a little bit differently every week according to potentially what hormones were rising and what hormones were dropping and um and you know lo and behold she came back a few months later and she's like can't believe it like I feel amazing like I feel really good and I'm training really well and I'm not having these real kind of high energy and low energy sort of um, troughs and peaks and and it's all really good so that was for me that wasn't I didn't think that was like a, a science thing I just thought okay cool I fixed you know problem solved which is what I do and it worked and then a few more women started coming in and I started picking up the same kind of patterns I guess and I'd seen it in my own self but I suppose I don't really see myself as an athlete so I was just like well it doesn't really matter I'll just crack on um but like I said the more I started investigating hormones and especially the more the more females I worked with with amenorrhea and you could you could start to see like how not having estrogen affects them negatively I was like these are these are powerful chemicals and we need to we need to know what's going on. And, and, you know, obviously then was it, it was 2016 at Rio when um, one of the American athletes said, you know, the gymnast, she said, I had a really bad, I had a really bad time because I was on my period. And it was the first time it was spoken about. And I was like, good. Like we're starting to take women seriously and see that actually, although I would never wrap a woman up in cotton wool because I don't think we need to be, actually we do need to adapt their training and their nutrition according to what's going on with them to give them the best possible chance. So that's kind of one of the reasons I started doing the research in the area 
and then applied it to more and more and more female athletes I worked with and it works, it fits. And so I was being asked this question again and again and again. And I thought, you know what, let's just, let's just write it down. Let's put it in a book, in an ebook that's easy to purchase. People can then follow it. It's a very simple form. So the female um, athlete diary is very, very simple form. It's literally just takes you through week to week, what's going on for you potentially. And, and then how you feel around it and why. Um, and it also talks about kind of some of the reasons why um, things go wrong as well. So it's kind of like a whole complete, a complete um, picture of how to manage your hormones and how to manage your training around it. And what, sort of, what sort of things were they coming to you? What sort of problems were they coming to you with? Like, did you see that there was the same kind of thing coming up over and over again? Or, or were they different things? Because as a woman, a female woman, I'm, all, I'm a lot like, I don't even consider the fact that I'm a woman. I just don't consider it. I'm just like, oh, I must be a bit tired or I must be a bit this or that. But did you see a pattern occurring with different women coming to you? Yeah, there was a couple of big things. So um, one of the big ones was actually things like um, energy, like real energy issues in the sort of second half of the menstrual cycle. So just kind of before period was coming on, which, you know, we kind of know that we feel a bit crappy. So it's like... Okay, well, but there's a reason why, and I'll explain that in a minute. Um, but actually what people were finding was that they, if they, particularly if they were racing in that, that part of their cycle, it was really affecting, like they're getting very, very dizzy and um, very lightheaded. And often actually some of them weren't finishing, weren't finishing races when they're in that particular part of their menstrual cycle. And a lot of that was to do with the fueling, what was required and them not appreciating that and understanding that. And so just didn't put the right parameters in place. Um, Was also seeing a lot of changes to digestive issues around key times as well. And again, that's all very hormonally um, impacted. So it was really good to be able to help women who, you know, had had digestive issues at certain times of the month when they were going out running particularly and we were able to kind of provide them with support that meant they could still keep on going running rather than having to avoid it for that particular few days of um of the of, of the of the cycle but i think most importantly it was about getting a bit of a consistent approach because i guess like all women, like I would go to the track and I would want to perform on the track every week exactly the same as I would like on a really good week. And then I'd have some weeks where I'd be like, actually, that, I, I, I don't understand. Why am I feeling so rubbish today? Like, why can't I repeat the same thing? Why can't I do it? Like, like you know, what uh, what's going on? And I suppose that's where I then started to kind of put two and two together and go, actually... I'm noticing that actually my heart rate's really high and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of, I'm working a lot harder, but my paces are slower. So, you know, this is, this is, there's got to be something going on here. And that's when I went away and started looking at it. And then obviously when I started doing ultras particularly, and when I was researching for training food, the back in 2014, that's when a lot of, that's where I found a lot of the studies around, um, like if you're racing in the second half of your menstrual cycle, you have to be really on it with your nutrition, particularly your carbohydrate intake, because although we do have glycogen stores in the same way as, as men do, 
actually in the second half of our menstrual cycle, we're not very good at using our glycogen stores. We actually rely on the um, exogenous, exogenous kind of glycogen, uh, carbohydrate that we take in. So the, the carbohydrate we take in during our racing. So it's things like that. And I just felt like I want to give women the best chance to perform well. And so that's kind of why I've actually, so I've been researching this for about five years, if I'm honest, and finally put it all together. So yeah, there was some definite, like the, the, big, the big things were the, was the real change in ability uh, on the sort of almost, almost the two sides of the cycle. So could you explain then what, what's happening during a typical cycle then and, and like why and actually what, what women should expect to be feeling and during that, that one cycle? Yeah. So firstly, just to say, I'm going to use a 28 day cycle because that's kind of what's standardly used in a textbook, but very few women are textbook 28 day cycles. So most women, like a normal menstrual cycle can be anything between 23 and 40 days is kind of the classic. Um, and you, you end up working out what's right for you. And as long as you are, you are consistent that's the most important thing. So if, if there's a change and it's like, so say you are somebody who's always been 40 days and suddenly it drops to 23 days, then that's worth investigating or the other way around. You're somebody who's normally 23 days and you're, it goes up to 40 days, then you need to think about, well, what's going on for you? So kind of want to make that really clear because I don't want people to sort of think that, well, I'm, I'm not normal because I haven't got a 28 day cycle. There'll be still similarities in the ups and downs, but it'll be kind of slightly modified to you. Um, the other thing to say is this is for people with natural menstrual cycles. So this is not for anybody on any sort of contraception. So it's not for people on the contraceptive pill, or if you've got any of the implants or, um, the, the Mirena coil or anything like that, it'd be fine for the copper coil, but not for anything else because it's just for natural when you've got your own normal hormones, um, being produced. So what, if we take you through from day one, which is when you start your period, um, basically at this point, um, your hormones are actually quite flat. So everything's very, very flat. Everything's kind of like not kind of non-existent, like your estrogen, your, your progesterone, your follicle stimulating hormone and your luteinizing hormone. They're all very, very flat and just kind of doing very little, but actually you'll be feeling just quite, you might be feeling quite, um, you might be feeling quite, um, tired because you'll you'll be you know be losing blood and um you also might be feeling just a little bit sluggish because you know you your body is going through something at that moment but usually it's only for a few days and then as you get towards the tail end of that first week that's when things will probably start to change for most women so usually the first week when you're on your period depending on on your cycle you're not going to feel your best but you're still going to you're not going to be feeling too bad but what we say is is you still need to be really on it with your nutrition so in terms of things like keeping sure you're having enough carbohydrate for energy you're getting plenty of sleep and also that you are kind of keeping an eye on, on key nutrients like iron particularly um, but also other antioxidants because your immune system can be a little bit flat at this point because your iron levels are being utilized so it's just kind of being mindful of that and then as you go into the sort of second sort of second stage, so this is all still all what we call the follicular phase. And so you have the follicular phase right up until you ovulate. And so the second week of your cycle, if we call it that, um, is when things start to kind of move um, a bit more. So then at this stage, what happens is things like 
your your FSH and your LH, they start to rise because they're getting ready for ovulation. This is actually probably the week when women are most stable. Um, so if you're going to ask your partners any sort of questions, that's the time to do it. <laughs> um, and they're also, you'll usually find that this, this week, these next 10 days or so are when you are flying. Like if you want to lift heavy, this is the time to do it. If you want to run fast, this is the time to do it. If you want to get your best marathon time, this is the time to find a race, basically. And are you crazed above the norm or are you just at the norm in that you're, period? You're at your most optimal, basically. And you utilize a, mo- a lot more fat for fuel. So you're, you're much more stable in terms of your, your blood sugars are not going up and down too much. Um, you still need to keep a good a good supply of carbohydrate coming in because obviously if you're going to run hard, you, you still need that. Um, and you need to pay a lot of attention to your recovery because this is the time you'll be feeling at your best. You'll probably push harder as well. So it's really important that you do pay attention to your recovery, particularly your nutrition recovery, but also rest generally. So making sure you have your adaptation days and, and you know, your active recovery days, etc. But in terms of if you're a, a coach coaching a female athlete and you do ask your female athletes about their menstrual cycle, this would be the time that if you wanted to see them kind of nail a hard session, this would be the time they'd probably most likely do it around this kind of second week, just going into ovulation. Um, so at this point, estrogen and progesterone are still quite flat, but the, the, the two controlling hormones that are rising because that's when you're getting ready for ovulation and then ovulation will occur anywhere between day 10 and 14, maybe even 15. Again, every woman is slightly different, but around that point. And so then we move into what we call the luteal phase. So post ovulation, you have the luteal phase. And so you're going into week three. And again, the first half of this week, you'll be feeling pretty good. You'll have loads of energy. You'll be raring to go. You'll probably push quite hard. Um, Again, you'll feel quite balanced. At this point, estrogen is starting to rise. So you may even feel like in yourself, you just start to feel a lot more kind of happier, a bit more balanced. (laughs) Like you just generally feel good, right? You, you kind of on a, on a, on a, on a, on a high, um, and that's when it gets interesting is kind of this last sort of seven to 10 days. And again, every woman is slightly different, but the last seven to 10 days before you go back into your, before the period starts again is when basically progesterone starts to rise. So as you go, as you pass ovulation, estrogen suddenly is quite high. So hence you're feeling pretty good and progesterone is starting to rise. As progesterone hits its peak, that's when things change because progesterone means that we tend to actually use more carbohydrate for fuel, even just like sat around just doing day-to-day jobs. And so this is why it's really important that if you're running, racing, training hard during this, this period of time, it's not to say you can't do it, but you need to really be on your fueling. Like the fueling is, is incredibly important because if you don't, that's when, like, this is, this is the week where if, I mean, if I don't eat enough breakfast before I go for my run, I usually have to turn home because I will feel really like shaky and, and just won't, won't feel great. And so I'll have to come back. Um, 
So it's always the week where I know I'll just take a bit extra with me just in case. So it's just being aware of it more than anything else. And it's also the week you'll notice things like your heart rate will probably be a bit higher. So you might be doing the same sessions or the same um, steady running or, or sessions in the gym, but your heart rate will just naturally be a few beats higher. And that's normal. That's completely normal. But it's important to understand and know again, particularly if you're racing, and you race to heart rate, it's actually important to keep at that heart rate so that you don't suddenly utilize your carbohydrate stores really, really quickly. Because so sh should you be almost setting a daily or every few days um, your base heart rate for that period to, to really understand better if you're trying to train, train to heart rate? You could do. I mean, I, I haven't tried that. I've just kind of like I've, if, if I, when I train to heart rate, I just try and still keep to my heart rate zones, knowing that if I'm trying to do something harder, it's going to probably be too, my heart rate's going to go up too high. So actually I'll, I'll try and keep it more on effort rather than pace, which I think is what, that's what, you know, what most coaches would recommend is you keep it on effort rather than on pace in that, in those situations, because the effort still means you're pushing your body and you'll still get that adaptation um so but i think like the issue is it's like it's like it's like if anybody goes to um a hot climate or goes to altitude your heart rate will change according to to that and so again we always say you know race to your heart rate race to what you've trained to do because then you're also managing your um energy stores much better as well so so, but I guess the reason why I'm saying be mindful of your heart rate is because obviously your sweat losses and your core temperature will be much higher as well. So you're just, the whole effort will be a lot more in that, you know, in that kind of final phase, which is why often we do, you know, you, you will feel like, oh my God, that was really tough, like really, really hard. Even though it would, you might've done that same session a week ago and it would have felt like a breeze there'll be a legitimate reason. I suppose the reason I'm saying that is because I know so many female athletes that beat themselves up in that period of time when they can't hit the, the paces they want to and mm. they're craving sugar when they should be because that's what the body is physiologically craving, but they beat themselves up about it. So um, again, the reason why I wanted female athletes and, and coaches to know about it is so they understand that this is what's going on at this phase. And so actually it's, this might be the week where you have a, you have a slight, you know, down week. It's the week that you don't have to put, put too much effort in or you, you do less mileage or, or whatever. But actually at this, during this time, you could do some really good longer sessions if they're slower you just probably wouldn't do the harder ones. So it's not like you can't, you don't have, I would never say you have to stop training. You just, it's just a really good way of modifying your training so that you get optimal outcome, basically. So do you think then that it's, you should really build your training plan around your cycle then? I think so. If, if you have a normal mental cycle, and I know a lot of football clubs are doing it now. There's, you know, there's been some, and, and I think even England hockey have started to, to do it with, with their athletes. And I think it's difficult when you've got a, a team because mm. they're all going to be at different stages. But as an individual athlete, I always think, and I'm not a coach, but obviously I work with a lot of coaches. Fundamentally, 
we're all aiming for the same thing. We, we want the best outcome for our athlete and the athlete wants the best outcome. So you want to set them up to, to win, right? To, to, to be the best version of themselves. And if you, if you, as a male coach, if you know where your female athlete is in her menstrual cycle and you, you know, you have that open discussion and you can tailor the training according to that, and they and then the athlete can tailor their nutrition according to that as well then you're you're basically less likely to have those sessions where you don't quite meet the mark you know you you're going to you're going to encourage your athlete to succeed which is obviously what we all want i mean it's not always going to be the case there's also going to be life lifestyle factors that come into play you know like lack of sleep you know um stress at work Maybe, you know, you're not eat, you, you haven't got available food around that you're, you're eating properly around you. I mean, that they all still going to have a big part to play in your performance. But I, I personally think if we can encourage female athletes to have plans that are tailored to their cycle, then we're going to probably see better, not, you know, a lot of them are great athletes, but you're going to see more optimal outcomes, more consistent yeah. optimal outcomes. You, you yes, mentioned that yes. you work with coaches. How how open are they to that? I mean, it, it, it makes perfect sense when you explain like that, but how open? Because I, I imagine that, you know, uh, historically, uh, coaches have their way of doing things. They have their way of uh, training, their way of putting nutrition plans in front of them and everything. And then you're coming around and saying, oh, you know, actually changing it completely in this way around the athlete. What, how, how open are they? Is, there, is, is it something that there's resistance about or, or you know, is it mainly men who are resistant about it? Yeah, what, can you see EA introducing this? Oh, look, I think you're bringing a different factor in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what's, what's, the gen, what's the general like landscape at the moment in terms of the kind of resistance there is to it or the openness there is around it? So, so far, and I, I, you know, so far actually I've had really positive feedback from male coaches they've all been really interested um they've all been open to do you know to do it I talked to my coach quite openly um and he's found it very interesting and and he's he's he said he said what's been interesting for him is is that now he's aware of it he can see the patterns anyway like he could see that um like just prior to my, because um, mainly my strength coach I speak to, but mo- just prior to my um, period, I'm really, really rubbish at balancing. So he'll get me to do some like single leg stuff and I just can't do it. And that's normal because your Eastern levels are falling. So your proprioception is really poor. And, and like, I've done that for years. I've been rubbish, you know, like been like fall over or drop things or whatever just before my period and thought, why is that happening? And of course there's a, there's an actual reason for it. So, so far the coaches I have spoken to have been really, really open. And I've noticed that actually quite a few male coaches have actually bought the, bought the, the female athlete diary, which is, which is fantastic. Um, I think sometimes it's the females, the athletes that are almost not open they don't want to have that dialogue um, with their coaches. And, you know, I personally think not just for this reason alone, but I think because of Red S and, um, and, and some, you know, some of the kind of stories that have been coming out about hypothalamic amenorrhea and, and obviously the, the impact that has on individuals' performance and bone health and, and, and health in general, I do think 
we should be having this dialogue with female athletes full stop you know are you having a menstrual cycle if so is it natural okay tell me when it's you know what i think i think that should be a really really easy normal conversation Mm. for any coach athlete to have i don't think it is yet but i think it should be um because it's never okay for a female athlete not to have a period if she is not Mm. on contraception so you know i think that's that's a that's a whole different conversation but it's but i think these these conversations need to happen and i kind of guess I'm hoping that with the, with the book, and also there's, some, there's quite a few good apps out now as well where people are, you know, um, trying to encourage um, women to track and, and follow, f- follow kind of, I think like the Fitter app is quite similar in that it tells you where you are in your cycle and it helps you to address what you need and how you should be training. Um, and I know that the, I think it's, it's combined with, Garmin, I think now in terms of your watch, I can't remember. I don't have a Garmin watch, so I don't know. But I think you can connect it to your watch in some way, and and that can help you as well. So so far, so good. But you know, it's early days, and I'm sure there will be some coaches that will not be very comfortable having those conversations. But then, yeah. you know, that's the same with anything. I think just from a, like a normal human being perspective um yes. because we talked a lot about athletes and a lot of you know we have some great athletes and who listen to this podcast but we also have a lot of very normal women um do you think that uh women generally uh, as a rule take this into account when they're training for something or when they book a race or when they're just you know or, or whatever it is they're doing because i'm you know i'm all, all about don't compare yourself to other people and that sort of thing. But I do it all the time secretly on Strava by looking at other people's times and looking at when they've been running. But I never, I've honestly never, ever considered the fact that of where I am in a menstrual cycle has anything to do with why I'm feeling crap. Like I know that I get in a mood three days before I have my period. I get that. But I've never thought, oh, I need to eat better or I need to balance my blood sugar or I need to do this, that or the other. So, you know, what, what would be your basic... Um, sort of line for the, the normal women who are like sort of training for ultras like your race of the kings or your hundred milers what, what should they keep in mind to do um, and how do they track that yeah I mean this is this I mean we're all women whether we're we're pro athletes or normal women just you know running an ultra I I, I tend to use the term athlete for everybody so um, that I basically was counting all women I don't tend to you know i think anybody who is training for something specific even if it's just for them as far in my book they're an athlete because they're still putting the work in um so what you're saying is all women are athletes and men are not athletes. <laughs> well i like that well i like that Ali. Saying, Ali. You go, normal women running an ultra like, <laughs> like that's normal it's totally normal <laughs> i think we're still in the minority ali <laughs> i know that's why i keep winning stuff yeah, <laughs> um but yeah no i think anybody any female that is is is, is and, and, this is not just about running it's about any sport right anything even gym goers like this is important for any woman who has a natural menstrual cycle i feel that you should be paying attention to your body and what it's doing because sometimes it's telling you that actually it's probably not ready to do a pull up or a 
high, you know, a, I don't know, a 70K deadlift or whatever, because physiologically it's not in the place it can do. And women are really, really good at beating themselves up. And this is kind of why I wanted to talk about this because I know that I've done it when I've got cross with myself because I've not been able to, um, I don't know, like run as far, like not got my PB in a, in a, in a half marathon or not been able to lift or not be able to do a pull up because I know that it's, when I look back, it's like, oh yeah, I get it now. Cause it was the week before or whatever, but how, we, like you said, you ignore it. You ignore, you ignore what's going on. You think, well, it's just part of my, it's just part of life. It's what we're going to get on with. Cause that's kind of what we're told, right? When we yeah, I'm, li- I'm literally like, it's because I'm in a mood because of my period. Like it's, it's like, it's not because there's some sort of like scientific thing going on in my body. It's because I'm in the mood because of my period. That's yeah. why I feel, that's why I cry on a run. And yeah. from everything that you've said, I literally just went through my Instagram because I had a really horrible time about 10 days ago where I cried three times running. I just stopped Aww. to cry. And I hate, shut up, Hellard. Something <laughs> sincere. And it was Something sincere. It was horrible. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, you know, I'm doing this mental accumulator thing. I, I know what I've got to do. What's wrong with me that I can't do this? I've done everything right. I've eaten my saurine. I've eaten my biscuit. I've had my little sporty drink but I'm just crying and I hate it and it's, and I'm weak and I feel awful. Whereas today, and I've counted it. I'm like, okay, that was 10 days ago today. After doing 300 miles in 21 days, I'm flying today. I'm having a great time. Can't wait for tomorrow. And I'm like, hang on a minute. This all makes sense. It literally counting the days. It completely makes sense, but I've never thought about it before. No, because because let's think about when we're taught about periods at school, particularly, or our parents or our mums or whatever, we're just told to suck it up. <laughs> it's part of being a woman, right? And I think also it's, it's always like, well, you know, now you're a period, you're, now you've got a period, you're a woman, and it means you can get pregnant. Like that's what it's been associated with. Hmm. You never see it like hormones are incredible, they are, and sometimes I wish I could go back and retrain as an endocrinologist because they are so amazing to research. I mean, we're talking about reproductive hormones here, but you, you start looking at things like thyroid hormones and you start looking at like leptin and ghrelin and, and it's just, and, and insulin. And it's like, oh my God, it's just amazing what the body can do and, and, and how powerful these are. And actually every single process in the body is run by hormones so this is why it's so important like you know one of the things I get really really cross about and I know um you guys will know this because I've probably said it a few times but one thing I get really cross about is when messages get dumbed down too much like you know when people are trying to lose weight and we get told just move more and eat less and it's like that's a really simplistic way of looking at the human body because the human body is not just like a car or a machine that you, you put a little bit less in and then suddenly something magical is going to happen. The human body's got so many different processes going on inside it that actually, and, and they all work really closely together. It's a bit more like the tube map, you know, the underground system that if one, one tube line goes down, then all hell breaks loose and everybody's trying to get somewhere else on like all the other tube, tube lines. And so 
they get overloaded. It's a bit like that. Like you, you, you affect one part of the body and it's going to affect another part of the body. So, you know, your hormones, like, again, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, you know, like, well, estrogen's just, it's just about periods, right? It's just about period. And I was like, no, estrogen is so important. You know, estrogen's role is kind of like throughout the body. So you think about a woman who's going through the menopause and some of the classic symptoms that they go through are increasing anxiety, low mood, loss of muscle mass, poor memory, and poor performance. They are all down to not having estrogen. So it's the same symptoms we see in red S individuals as well. So when there's not enough estrogen in the system. So like if our estrogen is going up and down, like it does, although we wouldn't have the severity of those symptoms because it's not a chronic like low level, but that is still going on for us, which is why we have those low moods. Because when you're crying, Ali, it's because your estrogen level has dropped ready for your period to happen. And that's why you're crying because you feel like, because you're just feeling low in mood because that's normal. Yeah. But, but what do I do? I stand there on the trails crying, being like, why are you crying? What's and get angry at yourself. You? Suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. Get on with it. Yeah, exactly. You've done this a million times. Why can't you do it now? Yeah, What's wrong exactly. with you? And I get angry with myself when I really, 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 really just want to eat chocolate all day because that's I don't I'm... get angry I'm like yay ultra <laughs> day you should see my so I am female <laughs> you are definitely female. yeah I don't get angry with that <laughs> but, but I but I work with women in clinic not athletes or anything but women in clinic who beat themselves up because they they want more bread in that final week before they you know before their period comes I'm like well yeah that's that's normal your heart rate's up your your basal metabolic rate is up your core temperature is up, you have higher needs, you are burning more carbohydrate, of course you're going to crave carbohydrate. Don't deny it. Why are you denying it? But we beat, yeah, women beat themselves up, but yet we have a, we have a need. Like it's, it's an, I think that's the thing is that it's important to understand that I think we've become a society. I, I said this in Birmingham, I think when we were on, on stage, but we've become a society where we constantly look for external cues to decide what we should eat rather than listening to our internal cues and you know as, as females we have very very strong internal cues that would tell us what to do well we all do not just women um we all do um we all you know men and women we all have these internal cues but we just chosen to ignore them do you think that women athletes and women endurance runners have this thing where they're like I'm not going to talk about this period thing I'm not going to talk about any of this because you know we're on the up man we're on the up we've got Jasmine like we're so much better than the men and we're not going to mention the fact that we have a period or a baby hanging off our boob or any of that stuff or that we're procreating for the human race because we don't want to make an excuse for any kind of weakness do you think that that it's kind of like a competitive thing because I'll go out right I'll go out and eat a million biscuits tunnocks blue ribbons gold bars literally at the moment i'm eating so many biscuits every day but i'm like it's okay because i'm running loads of miles and i need the biscuits and i'm totally happy with that and i can justify it in my head that's not a problem but in real life would i lay those biscuits out in front of someone no because i want them to think that i'm like this amazing runner um which you know i'm not but but 
it's kind of embarrassing. And do you think that with women, they, they won't use their period or their hormones or the fact that they are actually a female woman because they think they're making an excuse? Yeah, I, I think they do. I, 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 think, I think we've always been told we're the weaker sex. And I don't agree with that personally. Obviously, I'm a woman. I wouldn't agree with it. Um, but I think, I, just, I don't think there's a case of weaker, stronger sex. We're just different, you know? <laughs> Like we are just different. And I think there's also, there's also an element of men having, it's almost as if there's a time of the month and there isn't. And that a lot of men just shut down if they hear anything to do with that. And it's the end of a conversation that is so simplistic in so many people's minds, which um, I can imagine as a female, you, you don't want to have to discuss like that, stuff like that because it's all negative connotations kind of, basically created by sexists but also if you don't understand it like Ali's just said she doesn't you know she sort of knows she's crying but doesn't really get it and still beats herself up about it if you don't understand it you know we 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 actually it sounds ridiculous but we do have a legitimate reason why we get irrational at certain points of the month and I can't I can't explain it why I'm irrational I just know I am you know well I can't explain it but but like there's no there's no reason for it it's not like somebody's done something it's just i'm irrational because actually this is just the point where this is what happens to me but even that term irrational it's completely rational it's yeah. rational because mm. you have got something going on in your body that makes you feel like that it's like depression that's completely rational it's an illness that goes on in your head and you wouldn't say to someone having a diabetic hypo why are you having that? It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, it up. It, it, it's scientific. There's something going on here. And that's the thing, you know, we're like, oh God, I'm so sorry for being so irrational and crying four times on that trail run. But really what we should do is sit down and be like, this is great because my body's working the way it should work, but we don't. We try and hide it. And we're like, I haven't, I haven't done what I wanted to do. I haven't done it properly. I haven't done my park run PB this weekend. I'm going to go and you know, beat myself up. But really we should always be going, okay, that's cool. It's my down week. Let's have a nice time. And honestly, I've never thought about it like that. This is like a whole new thing for me. We should be being a bit more compassionate towards ourselves without a doubt. I think everybody should like, I'm, I'm not, this is not a a male versus female. I think everybody should be more compassionate towards ourselves. I think we generally are a society that feels like we have to achieve continually to get approval. Um, But women in particular, I think if you don't understand what's going on for you and realize that hormones are very, very powerful. Men hormones are also very powerful. Like, you know, like testosterone is, is equally as important as, as estrogen for men as, as estrogen is for women in terms of it does very similar things in, you know, it's, it's important for your, your body composition. It's important for your mood and it's important for your ability to perform and, and create growth hormone just in the way estrogen is for women. So it's not like your, um, you're without them without without hormones it's just that women's hormones have this rhythm it goes up and it goes down so it's constantly changing whereas men's generally tends to be quite quite sort of static so it doesn't have the same implications um and i guess that's the thing is if you can start to understand the rhythm of your body and that's what i mean everybody's is slightly different but you can understand the rhythm of your body you can start to be a little bit more relaxed about it and it's the same with like body image you know like women beat themselves up they they look at themselves in the mirror and they're like well I don't I had a flatter stomach last week than I have this week a female body will never be the same every week 
because of the influx of hormones, the influence of hormones. So there's no point looking at yourself in the mirror and criticizing it because it'll always be different every single week. Um, and I guess, I suppose maybe, maybe me wanting, writing this book and wanting to kind of talk about this, I want the conversation to happen. So I'm really pleased that you guys invited me on because I want this conversation to happen. I want women to feel empowered. So I don't want it to come across as a weakness, like in the way that, you know, Ali, you said, do you think it's a weakness? It's not a weakness. We should feel empowered. We should feel excited that we have this these amazing chemicals in our body that actually make us do quite crazy things at, at, at different times and actually probably make us very, very good endurance runners as well at particular times of the month. So because we have a really good ability to use fat for fuel and we can keep on going for a very, very long time. So do you mention that, you know, there's, there's the ups and the downs and everything's all systemic. Are these all magnified by other situations? For example, if someone's diabetic or if someone's vegan or, you know, are, are there other things that if, if someone already has to be taking care of sp specific areas of their nutrition, th that they have to be extra vigilant at certain times during their cycle? Yeah, definitely. So I guess, I guess what's important to remember as well is that life stress can also affect your hormones, right? So your hormones are, they are all controlled by the hypothalamus, which is in your brain. And so we call this the hypothalamic pituitary axis. So that's kind of like the main area of importance in terms of hormonal control. And so when you if you have stress of any sort, so that could be physical stress, but it could also be life stress. If you're not sleeping very well, if you have some major, you know, major thing going on in your life that is causing you a lot of stress, your stress hormone cortisol will rise. And that can, if that's, if that's chronically high, that can also impact your, um, your production of hormones. So that can have an effect on your period so there's been some they've been doing they started doing a little bit of studies on actually the impact of the lockdown on menstrual cycle because so many you know women are we're all a bit stressed we all have this uncertainty that anxiety is heightened especially right at the beginning when it felt incredibly frightening what was going on and we were all told to kind of shut the doors and not leave the house you know it was it was scary it was and and that you know there have been there have been signs that say for some women that has affected their menstrual cycle because the stress levels have gone up and and that's been a problem um but if you are somebody with diabetes particularly if you are taking insulin so you've got like a type 1 diabetic and you have to be really mindful of your blood sugars at the best of times, then yeah, absolutely. In that second phase of the menstrual cycle, so the luteal phase, post-ovulation, where progesterone is rising and kind of more dominant, that is also when your blood sugars are probably more um, fluctuating naturally. And if you are somebody that does sport and you take insulin, so the thing about sport is it naturally lowers your blood sugars. So you have to be quite careful about your insulin dose if you do a lot of sport anyway, because you can go into hypos if you're not careful. Um, but if you don't understand the influence of your hormones as well, that may be when you tend to find that you have an increased number of hypos. So it's worth tracking that 
and seeing like, you know, that, that's an, quite an important aspect to think about. Similarly, you may find that other times of the month that you're running higher blood sugars. And that could be because your insulin levels need to be adjusted according to um, according to your output at that point. And actually your blood sugars are quite stable, but you, you still need, you need a slightly different insulin dose. So it, you know, it could, I've not looked at the papers on this, so I can't tell you what, what's actually going on, but I would say that you probably need to, it would be interesting to see if people who um, are diabetic have noticed they have to change their insulin dose around their menstrual cycle. Um, I've never had an athlete that has had a normal menstrual cycle and been insulin and and been diabetic they've normally been on the pill probably because they can't control their blood sugars which would you know you know that takes that out of it so um but yeah definitely a diabetic you'd have to i think you'd have to be very mindful of of the impact hormones would have on on your blood sugars because are, are there other supplements that you'd potentially recommend because it, it, it sounds as if the main guidance is understanding have you feeling but also just being more conscious of carbs but are there other elements that people really need to um that can can potentially use to counter some of the um some of the negative side effects of, of going yeah. through the cycle so what i would say is actually in the, in the second half of the cycle when your blood sugars are fluctuating more even though you're craving more carbs you don't want to be just eating carbs you actually want to be getting a really good balance of carbs and proteins at regular intervals so you probably find that you want to increase your frequency of eating so maybe if you normally just eat three meals a day you might find that you need to eat three meals and a couple of snacks or if you normally eat three meals and a couple of snacks you might need a few more snacks but you want to basically keep the um you want to keep the the time between eating fairly short, like, you know, no more than say three hours. Um, and you want to make sure you're having a good combination of carbs and protein. So you, you keep your blood sugars nice and stable. As we said, you know, when you're in that kind of follicular phase, right at the beginning of your menstrual cycle, definitely keep an eye out on things like your iron and your antioxidants. Um, you want to kind of boost your immune system quite a lot what's I mean, a good way of boosting antioxidants out of interest well i say boosting you can't really boost it but you can maintain it so um but it's just making sure you're getting a really good variety of colorful vegetables and fruit mm. you know like it's the usual sort of in terms of nutritional guidelines nothing really changes you know like as in we still want you to have a really balanced diet with whole grains protein essential fats fruit and veg dairy or dairy alternatives if you're if you're not if you're plant-based eggs you know the usual sort of thing we want you to have a really good variety but you may just find like at certain points that you need to be a bit more mindful of particular nutrients so you may notice that you crave more iron rich foods in that first phase and you will notice that you will crave probably more carbohydrate dense foods in the second phase but you also need to keep an eye on your b vitamins and and your um and your and your calcium intake because you need to protect your bones so nothing changes from that point of view but you're just trying to i suppose maximize those key key periods of time and does it impact on something like an ultra because you've mentioned in some periods you can use fat better like should you be thinking about 
what you should be using during the different stages because you're going to be craving slightly different things i assume but also you're going to burn for your glycogen far faster one time of the month than the other so how should you counter that or how should you manage it yeah definitely so um when i've crewed for different people um in recent years we've really taken into consideration exactly where they are in their cycle to make sure that we are um optimizing their nutrition intake so if somebody is in that latter stage just around their period starting then they're probably going to need more like the top end of carbohydrate intake that you would normally recommend so we know that you know you can take anywhere between 30 and 90 grams of carbs an hour Um, generally speaking most women athletes and most women i work with the maximum they probably take is about 60 to 70 grams just because of from a quantity point of view, that just seems to be what they can manage. Um, but that's where you want to be. You want to be thinking about that. So la- this time last year, I supported um, Ali Young, who's one of the GB 24 hour runners, but we did, she did the Grand Union canal race and um, she asked me to come and crew and, and run with her, which I did. And, you know, we were sort of, we, the night before we were going through stuff a couple of well the week before we were but the night before so we were going through stuff and she said oh I thought my period would have started but it hasn't and I I know it's due any 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 day now so that already was like okay so we need to think about the fact that she's she's gonna be running um hot because she tends to be she tends to run hot anyway but she, she's going to be running even hotter because her core temperature will be higher plus it was a really hot day which we had to take into consideration she's going to have higher carb requirements and her heart rate is going to be probably higher than we, we would normally see it, um, which we just need to keep an eye on more than anything else so that she's not, um, you know, she's not going to get into trouble in any formal manner. So, so we, because we knew all that, we were able to plan ahead. So, you know, we made sure she was getting 60 grams of carbs per hour minimum in, in her fueling. We made sure she was, getting as much ice as we could get. We tried to get an ice vest, but we, we, um, we weren't very successful, but we just kept her really, really cool, got as much ice as we could, changed the tops when we could and, and got her keeping those key areas around the wrist and the back of the neck really cool. Um, and hydration as well. I just kept on top of her hydration and her salts because those are also affected and it was hot. And by doing that, we were able to keep her performance just, just like consistent all the way through. So, definitely if you understand where you are and you understand what your requirements are and you can adjust it and that's the other thing like a lot of women will come to me and say yeah well I did this in this race and it was fine but I did this in this race and it was it just didn't work well it probably was because your requirements were different and I guess that's what I'm trying to get at is that we're going to be constantly changing and you need to adapt according to what's going on for you and actually not compare yourself to somebody else on Strava because you don't know where they are in their menstrual cycle. Do you know, last, last year I went to the Outer Hebrides and I took uh, nine women with me to run the Outer Hebrides, right? And I'm like, this is going to be great. You know, fascinating time with just women. It was fun in a way. But um, the stops that we had when we could get to shops, which was very, very rare, the stuff that people bought in the shops was so different. And I remember one day, like from what you said about iron, very vividly, they all ran in and they got donuts, sandwiches, biscuits, cakes. And I ran in and I bought two massive bags of spinach and just ate the spinach like crisps. (laughs) 
And they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I just need some iron. And it was like this weird out of body experience where my body was like, you need to get some iron right now. You need to get like some dark green right now. And I, I think, drink it, iron I think, yeah, it was in Scotland, but I think it was just <laughs> before, I think maybe just before, just after my period, but I was like, I need that green stuff. I don't want a sandwich. I don't want cheese. I don't want a biscuit. I don't want any of that. I just need to get this iron in me. And it was so interesting to watch how all those women fueled in such different ways, but no two days were the same. Like they were just, when we got a shop, they would get so much different stuff. And, um, and yeah, and when you look at it, like I've never thought about it as hormones, which is awful because I am a woman. Um, but it really does make a massive difference. And it's person on person, isn't it? And it's like, what, what stage are you at? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's it. Like, I mean, you know me, I'm very much, I want to create sustainable athletes. Like I don't want people to just be one hit wonders. I want them to be able to enjoy their running or their sport for as long as possible. Um, and we do live in a, in a society where social media has taken over the world. It feels like, and um, you know, there's a lot of self, there's a lot of comparison that goes on. And yet, you know, one of the things I'd say is you, you can't really compare two people because we're all so unique and different. Like how can you, but particularly females, one of the reasons we don't have scientific studies is because you can't genuinely compare two women if they're at different stages of their cycle. Like that is the main reason why we don't have that many studies on female athletes. And if, if people are starting to track their cycles for their training, is it worth them starting to pick races um, that actually coincide with when they're going to be at their strongest? Or is it, you know, if, if they see that a race that they've really had their eye on is at the worst possible time, is there anything they can do to almost extend or reduce slightly the cycles? So I think if you can pick a race at the right time, great. But obviously we, we don't control the race calendar at all so it's maybe we should maybe we should control (laughs) the race calendar (laughs) but um like i mean i wouldn't not do a race that i want to do just because it doesn't coincide with my best time of, of of racing but i think there are things you can definitely do like i said if you can understand your if you understand your menstrual cycle you can probably alleviate quite a lot of the the issues in terms of fueling properly, keeping cool, knowing, you know, knowing what symptoms to look for now, like, you know, Ali, you'll, you'll think about stuff whole, whole lot differently now and kind of, you know, and I think. I have to say, Renee, like I've had situations a lot, actually, when I've gone and done test pilot stuff, when I, where I'm in a stressful situation because it's like we're doing something we've never done before, where I've stood on the edge of blocks or I've stood at the start of a race and my period has started for no reason. And I'm like, why are you here? What are you doing? It's almost like my body's like, I know, I'm going to get rid of everything that I don't need to get rid of because you're about to go into either starvation mode or ultra mode and I don't want it and I don't understand why that happens. And I'm sure that's a a bigger conversation for me to have with someone else. But I can't plan my race diary around when my period's going to happen because I literally do not know when that's going to happen. I've got an idea if everything's Mm. cool, but mm. if you're put in a stressful situation, like the middle of the Panamanian jungle, and it's like, okay, I'm going to drop this on you. And you're like, really? Great. Like, well, yeah, and, and things like that will make a difference. Like, you know, whenever I've traveled for a race, that affects my period. If I'm at altitude, that affects my period. Right. Like all these things do. And, and, and that's all to do with the pituitary gland. And, 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 you know, like there's very little you can do about it. I mean, also you can take, you can take the pill. 
if you are somebody that kind of wants to know and wants to be in control, you can take the pill. I'm not advocating taking the pill, but I'm just saying there is an option if if you do. The only problem with that is, is obviously you're also masking whether your body's working normally, which I personally would like to know. So um, that's one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of the pill. Also, if you are somebody who is under fueling, um, and we know like you don't necessarily have to be low in weight. You can be under fueling and a normal weight. So if you are in red S and um, you're under fueling and your period has stopped or you don't realize your period stopped because you've got your period, uh, because you've got, a, sorry, you're taking the contraceptive pill. We now know like Kate Ackerman is a, is a really amazing um, academic in this field. And she has done a study that has found that actually taking the pill can be contraindicative to your bone health so it can actually make your bone health worse if you're already in a low energy availability state so there are things you can do i suppose to stop your period if that's what you want to do i think most female athletes um will use some form of contraception and um i know a lot of female athletes use the implant and like the progesterone only type um contraception so the implant the marina um you can get an injection now as well and i guess oh there's so many new ones now i'm like the cap the condom there's so many new ones there is a lot of there's a lot of new stuff out there and um and i guess if, if you're gonna do anything that's they're probably your best options because generally speaking they release um a low a level amount of progesterone um, in, you know, within the body. And so they do, they prevent you from getting pregnant. Some women will basically not have periods at all on that. That doesn't necessarily mean that you are amenorrheic. It's actually to do with the contraception. Some women may still have the odd spotting or, um, and that's what I don't like about it. It's quite unpredictable. So again, you could still get a, you know, get a bleed at a point which is not convenient for you. Mm-hmm. So um, so it's a tricky, it's a tricky, it's a tricky question to answer, David. And I'm probably, you know, I'm not a gynecologist, so I'm sure like a gynecologist would have better options for you in terms of what do you want to do if you if you really want to, you know, if you really want to manage your period and you've got a really big race coming up. There are solutions. I know sports medics do provide advice on that, but it's probably not my area of expertise, if I'm honest. You've mentioned being amenorrheic quite a few times um, yeah. is does does that link directly in with cycles or is it is it you know how how sh- firstly how should coaches like for example male coaches and try and look out for it, ensure that this isn't happening and, and what causes it and what can people do to ensure that they're not in that danger area as well also, can we explain what it is? Because yes, a lot of people yes. won't know. I'll do that first. So amenorrhea is basically when you don't have a period. Um, and the definition is if you miss three consecutive periods, then we would say that you are amenorrheic. And that would be secondary amenorrhea if you've already had a period. So if you're somebody who's who started their period at some point and then it stops and you don't have one for three months in a row, then we would say you have secondary amenorrhea and we'd want to find out what the cause of that is. And there are, there are medical reasons, but we'd also want to exclude, so we want to exclude any medical concerns before we would say it's non-functional hypothalamic amenorrhea, which means it's occurring because there is probably not enough energy going into the body to allow for it to happen. 
sometimes you get primary amenorrhea, which is when um, a teenager or a young woman doesn't have a period um, at all. And, you know, like basically anybody who hit, hit 16 and their periods haven't started, we would say probably has primary amenorrhea. Um, and they would, we would want to, again, find out what the cause is. So you do sometimes see this in very active young women um, who maybe just aren't quite getting the balance right. You know, they, they're just not quite getting enough fuel in the system. So that's amenorrhea. And the reason why your periods stop, if it's not a medical reason. So obviously, like I said, there are medical reasons um, you could have PCOS, you could have um, thyroid issues, potentially. Sometimes things like depression can cause amenorrhea because, um, again, it affects the, the pituitary gland. There could be, you might have a condition called prolactinemia. You might be perimenopausal. Um, you might be menopausal. You may be pregnant. You may be breastfeeding. Like there's, there's loads of reasons why you may your periods might stop. So you'd want to get those excluded first. And if those all come back as nope, this is there's no medical cause for you to not have a period. Then most likely it is because the balance is off in terms of your energy in and your energy out. Now, what a lot of people get mis uh, misguided on is that they believe that you have to be a low weight for this to happen and you don't. So you can, your periods can stop um, if you are doing a lot of exercise and you're not putting enough fuel to manage the work that your body is doing because the work that your body is doing is made up of all the biological processes that go on in the body plus all the movement you do. So that will be obviously your, your, your training, but it could also be like just, you know, running up and down the stairs, or if you've got a really busy job and you're on your feet all the time, like all these things will count as, as work on the body. And so um, if that's the case, the body always prioritizes movement, always. And that goes back to the kind of those, those caveman days when we had periods of time where we didn't have any food and the body had to preserve energy. And then suddenly, you know, uh, a boar would go past and they'd have to get up and run and chase it because they needed food and, and the body prioritizes that movement. So preserved energy to, um, to make that happen. So the body always prioritizes movement. And so when the body prioritizes movement, it means that the metabolic rate has to shut down to preserve energy. And so sometimes you don't lose weight. Sometimes your body weight stays around the same because the body will do everything it can to preserve energy, to keep you in a place it wants to really be. Would you be feeling low energy at that time? Say that was you or? Yeah, you'd probably be feeling pretty rough as in you'd, you wouldn't be recovering very well between training sessions um you may notice things like you're not sleeping particularly well because if the body's hungry it tends to stay awake to look for food um, you may notice that you're a bit more irritable and your mood starts to drop like all these things are affected and and so but the problem is also you've got to remember that most of us who do a lot of training also tend to be quite obsessive and determined individuals so we we don't want to admit to our weaknesses we don't want to admit that we're tired because we're training too hard or we might not be eating enough and you know so um so it can be difficult like i you know i, I have seen it when people come into clinic and they're like, yeah, but i feel fine and you're like in fact i spoke to somebody today and she goes yeah, but i feel fine i'm like yeah but you haven't got a period so your body's not fine like something's not right mm. 
you know like the balance is is not um is is not there and she's like oh yeah i guess so and and i said the problem is sometimes you don't realize how tired you are until you you know until you eat better and you feel better and you realize you've got energy type thing and what does it lead to if if you continue with this and still train hard and still don't take in enough fuel so what can happen basically is that especially if your hormones become affected. And I just want to say this affects both men and women. So in women, we would, we have an actual sign that you get amenorrhea. So you, um, your, you know, your period stops or becomes erratic, you know, um, and in men, testosterone will drop. So if there's no classic sign, but testosterone will drop. And so the same symptoms occur in both men and women in that if estrogen and testosterone drop, then basically, as we said, hormones are involved in every single biological function in the body. And so what you may start to, you will start to see things like um, your, your bone health might become a problem. So you may notice that you get more soft tissue or ligament injuries to start with. And, and worst case scenario, you start to get like a, a stress fracture or stress reaction. So if you're getting recurrent injuries, that could be a sign that you are um, in low energy availability. You often notice that um, immune function becomes depressed. So when we do blood tests on these individuals, we often see that their white cell count is quite low. And so they can be at a higher risk of infections and, and illnesses. So again, if somebody's got recurrent infections and illnesses, that could be a sign that there's not quite enough energy in the system. They may also find they, they start to feel quite tired and out of breath and and often that'll be you know they'll again they might go to the doctor and their doctor would do blood tests and the doctor will say oh you've got low iron which is often associated particularly with runners but although there is a reason why you know runners do tend to break down a high amount of red blood cells because of the the footfall and and the kind of the the pounding of, of red blood cells when you're when you're running there's also a case where if you're not fueling properly, you're not, you haven't got enough energy to produce enough red blood cells to actually have a high iron level. So we often see in conjunction with white, low white cell, we may see a low hemoglobin and low ferritin level as well. Um, things like your digestive system will become very, very sluggish. So again, I had another athlete today say to me yeah no i'm get really bloated i think i've got ibs and i'm like you haven't got ibs you've basically got slow you know you've got poor digestion because there's not enough energy going in the system to give them the energy to actually eat sufficiently um and again often individuals might not be getting enough energy because they're eating a lot of vegetables and fruit because obviously we've been told to eat more vegetables and fruit but when you're doing a lot of exercise mm. you're not getting an awful lot of energy from these foods you might get vitamins and minerals but you don't get as much energy and so that those foods are high in bulk and so they displace the energy that you would get from say carbs fats proteins um and they're high in fiber and high in bulk so they tend to, to, to flow through the gut even slower so so, so, you know, the, the key things that we often see are an increase in um, injury, um, poor digestion, potentially low depressed Im immune system. You can, it can also affect cardiovascular health in that often, so again, another a big property of estrogen is it actually protects women 
from heart disease. So estrogen prevents you from making internal cholesterol. So again, when you look at postmenopausal women, their incidence of heart disease goes up because they no longer have the estrogen to protect them from making internal cholesterol. So you might you may see that levels of cholesterol go up, even though the individual is doing loads of exercise and actually not eating that much. But that can also it can affect the cardiovascular system. So, like I said, every single system potentially is affected in the body. Um, and it's all related to the fact that you have low energy availability. But yeah, the biggest thing for me is if you have low energy availability, the, I suppose one of the first signs we see, the first ones I see in clinic is that it's often individuals who present with several stress fractures, usually in yeah. a very short period of time. In fact, I can't remember which podcast is um, Sean's one. They, they spoke to a young English runner from about three years ago where she had exactly that stunted her growth. Um, and she spoke very candidly about, I'll dig it out actually for, for the do batters just because it's really interesting to hear. Um, so I've got a few questions I've been, from when I've there been. Are some, there are some huge questions, <laughs> but the biggest question, the biggest one that I've been asked on every platform is yes. training and nutrition through menopause and no one wants mm. to talk about menopause right we've got people asking about how they get through it they've been asking about temperature they've been asking everything there is apparently no information on training and nutrition through menopause no there isn't um they're very very right and again it's because there's not an awful lot of science done on men- postmenopausal women yet because it's only been in hey, hang on a minute can i just have a rant here because okay. I'm, I'm a <laughs> okay half the population of women uh yeah. we're the ones that produce the babies but there is no research done on menopause which every single woman mostly goes through that yeah. really really fucks me off continue yeah. renee there you go well what i was going to say is is that actually it's only really probably been the last 10 15 years that women are doing sport into that age group so i don't agree with it i'm with you i think we should be looking at why you know why aren't we looking at um women who are postmenopausal and it's a again it's it's almost like oh it's 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 hormones and it's and it's weird and we don't know what it's a bit do. gross we don't want yeah. to talk about it do we it's gross they're yeah. useless now let's put them out to pasture that exactly. sort of thing yeah. yeah i had we had a really interesting case that came to clinic we've had a few postmenopausal women actually who've come to clinic and because they are they want to continue running and they want to and like someone they want to continue doing triathlon and and they were going through a really tough time exactly what we just talked about those symptoms that occur the hot flushes the um the poor the anxiety and and the performance really drops off because again estrogen has dropped so that has a big part in your performance and and they were really like they were really just fed up quite honestly really really fed up and what was interesting is that um they'd been offered hrt because that's what the the standard is they've been offered hrt but a lot of them had been quite scared and nervous about taking it because there's one paper that basically completely destroys HRT as being like it's high risk for breast cancer and you shouldn't be taking it and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, 
But actually, if you if you look at that paper properly, it was looking at women who were much older and would naturally be at a higher risk of breast cancer because unfortunately that just just does occur. Um, but also that actually the it was one in I can't remember the exact figures and I'd have to go back and have a look at it, but it's like it was like one in ten or something. It wasn't a big like it wasn't like one in two or anything like that. It wasn't that, you know. And so we we put we encourage these women to to really consider taking HRT because we explained to them what estrogen does. We explained why they were feeling the way they were feeling. And um, they did take HRT. And I remember I remember one of them. She literally emailed me three weeks later. She's going, oh, my God, you've saved my life. I feel amazing. I'm running again. Oh, my God. Thank you. It was just like this beautiful, really, really lovely email. Those emails that you love getting because you're just like, oh, yeah brilliant and and this this woman had kind of just she just found life again like it literally was overnight she said she just felt so much better so i i i think there needs to be a lot more work in this area i i also probably need to go away and do a lot more research on it i mean i've worked with with postmenopausal women and and in terms of the advice i give them is you know, as much as possible, we are trying to maintain hormones to, to, the, to the levels they were pre-menopause. So if you can, if you are willing to, and you, you know, it is a discussion to have with your GP, but I would say I am, I am definitely pro HRT for women. There, there's so much stuff that we've had through, like people saying they can't sleep, people saying that they're too, they get too hot, they get too cold, they're perimenopausal, like they've just lost all like ability to be able to go out and run and um there's so many of them but I guess it's the same thing it's like every woman's cycle and every woman's menopause is is different so it's it's very very difficult to be able to like give a one a one thing to fix everything right yeah although I mean I think I mean I would I would I would recommend that you guys get um Dr Nikki Kay on because she is um she's a colleague of mine and she is very very well um educated on this on on postmenopause she's she's a dancer herself she's been through the menopause as, uh, but she's also a very very um specialist sports endocrinologist so she'd be great for you to get on and, and probably talk about that particular field she's probably got more expertise than i have in that in, in helping to understand and explain hrt because it's not i i know that's what we would use but i would always refer back to the gp because i'm not a medic to, to get the HRT, whereas she would be able to explain HRT and the mechanisms and why it's so important and why we use it and, and actually where some of the misconceptions have come from as well. So um, that would be my advice because I think, as you said, you've got so many questions. She'd be the great fit for that. And the, and the irony of this, when you've got all the guys like at the same age coming up and being like, okay, now I'm veteran, I'm going to go out and smash it out and they're doing their 100 milers, all the women like, Actually, this is getting really, really hard, but still doing amazingly well. So, yeah, we'll definitely, definitely get her on. But um, do badders, don't fret. We have all your questions and, and we will be addressing them. So, uh, thanks. Well, I've, I've got one more I'd, I'd really like to ask, just yeah. because I've, I've got to be a bit careful how I word this, just because it is quite sensitive. Um, I mean, the first thing is actually, uh, this is a, a, bit, a massive thanks, really, from one of the listeners who listened to the last time you were on and discovered that um that someone she knows um 
was actually suffering with an eating disorder. Um, and they managed the, the fact that through that episode, they managed to pick up on the signs. It was, it was really useful. But what would you recommend post eating disorder? Like what's the best way to get back into sport? Because um, if, if you're an individual who's lost fitness or, in, or endurance that you've once had, Okay. So firstly, you will get it back, right? That's the important thing. It's, it's not lost forever and it is something that you will get back. Um, but, um, the, the, it's, there's, there's quite a few stages when you're recovering from an eating disorder and going back to the sport that you once did. Um, Firstly, it's really important. It's not just about being physically recovered. It's also about being mentally recovered. So we've got to remember that an eating disorder is not just about food and exercise. It's actually a coping mechanism that um, I guess to a certain degree, the way I describe it is it's, it's a coping mechanism that denies difficult emotions. So if you are somebody who has very high expectations of yourself and you do that, social comparison and and you you never feel good enough and you want to be the best and you haven't addressed that all you've done is a physical recovery the difficulty you have going back into that same competitive space is that those thoughts Mm. will come back and and you will potentially go back down that path so you have to be mentally in a good space and and when i talk to the people i work with these are the these are the kind of questions I'll be asking. Like we will obviously look at the physical recovery, but just because somebody is physically recovered, it doesn't mean I give them the green light to go ahead and and, and go training because um, we have to know that you can manage that. So if you are somebody who has addressed the underlying cause of your eating disorder and you are now in a better position to manage your difficult emotions and um, and and that kind of your perception of yourself, then I would always start with, um, I would actually, I would actually recommend probably working with a coach, but working with a coach who has probably got experience of athletes coming back from the same sort of um, issues because working with a coach helps you to be accountable to someone. So again, it means that you're, you've got somebody who can manage your load, can, can look at your metrics and can adapt the training according to what your body is also telling, telling them. So that's the first thing I would say. Um, and I would say, depending on where they were in their physical recovery. So this all depends, you know, like there's so many, I, we go in our clinic, we do a lot of tests before we say, yep, you can go and do your running or your cycling or whatever. And those tests will be a variety from blood tests to actual physical tests in the gym. So things like your balance, like remember that if you've had a very severe eating disorder, you will have lost a lot of muscle mass during the the severe weight loss. And so when you weight restore, you want to, you, you kind of need to develop those muscles back again so that you can get balance. Like a lot of running is about good balance, right? And, and kind of strength in those, in the ligaments and in the tendons and, and in your glutes. And so it may be the first stage is actually strengthening those and getting that, getting the kind of almost like thinking about the car, getting the chassis strong before you can, you know, start the engine as such. So, 
Um, so it's a complicated question to answer because it very much depends on where the person is in their stage of recovery. Um, but I would say, please, please, please don't, don't get um, defeatist about where you are. Don't, don't be demoralized that you're, you know, you're not where you were because, you know, that will come. It's, it's amazing how quickly the body recovers and remembers and has that muscle memory as well and how quickly you get your fitness levels back. But only if you go back into it as a more resilient, robust and sustainable athlete who is fueling properly, resting properly and not pushing too hard too quick. And, and you mentioned about, um, I mean, are there any coaches you could recommend who you know to have that experience um, just in case anyone is listening and so is interested I, in that? Yeah, I mean, I work with quite a few good coaches who I think, um, you know, they are, they have had athletes that have had issues and, and if, and also they tend to work with me. So they, they tend to bounce things off me if they're not hundred percent sure. But so people like um, Robbie Britton, Tom Craggs, Damien Hall, um, uh, the Pylon crew, they're all very, very good. Um, so they off there, I think there's a group of them now and they're all like, so James Stewart's part of that. Um, obviously Paul Giblin runs it. So, you know, all that, all that group, they're all very, very good as well. Um, Holly Rush, obviously she's got a lot of personal experience as well. And, you know, she works with me so that there's some really, there are some really, really good coaches out there um, who I think actually a lot of coaches are asking that question and they're saying, they might say to them, actually, I'm not sure I want to take that on. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. And that's okay. That's also okay. Um, but they may also then know somebody they can pass on to, but they're the ones I've mentioned, the ones I tend to work with generally, just because we have, good communication and, and that's and they've always you know kind of referred into me and and I've referred back out to them so um so yeah there's but there's there's a lot of really good coaches I just can't on the top of my head mm. on a Monday evening <laughs> <laughs> and, and just just following on from the coaching point because you mentioned how it's you need to really be aware of how you're feeling and and also plan your your training around your cycle mm. Obviously, things like math and training plans, 5K training plans, everything that I've typically seen on the internet, it's all blanket, one, fits, one size fits all. Are there any resources if, um, if, if, if women would like to go and actually find some uh, training plans that are more easily adaptable or potentially are already tailored towards that move from having a... A, a, a more focused week on, on, on speed and then a slow one two weeks later or, or do they not really exist yet? As far as I know, they don't exist, but, but there might be one that I'm working on with someone. So watch this space is what I'd say. As far as I know, they don't exist at the moment. Um, I think it's all very individualized with the, with the coaches. Mm, okay. And um, just on a slightly more, well, it's not really lighthearted, but do you think, if we look back at gold medals and the Olympics and world championships, like how much variation is there between a good day and a bad day? Do you think a huge number of these results have been decided by people who have, um, you know, basically just down to hormones? God, that's a really big question. <laughs> I don't think, um, I think, 
I think it would depend on the, um, it would definitely depend on the discipline, right? So the, probably then the, in the, in the marathon, potentially, mm. yes. But again, you know, I don't know. And I, I, I probably may be speaking a little bit out of turn here, but I don't know how many of those female elite athletes have periods. Full mm. stop. I don't mm. know if they are on the pill. I don't know if they're amenorrheic. I, I, I couldn't say is the answer. Um, Do you think it would be better if at the start of London Marathon, all the women, the elites that had their period, put their hand up? I yeah. think it would. I think it'd be better. If we all, they just put it on the, on the screen. The yeah. screen you know, such yeah. and such is on day 15. Such yeah. and such is on day 20. Just don't talk to me and don't <laughs> get a camera in my face because I'll punch you. It's a calculating system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why not? Let's just do that. I mean, it would be really interesting. I would love to do a study like that. Like it would be great to get like at a major marathon to find out, you know, of the top 20 females mm. across the line, do they have periods? Where are they in the cycle if they do? Are they on the pill? Are they amenorrheic? I'd love to know. I'd love to know. Mm, and, and actually, if, if we're now just talking about this, in the West, I'd imagine that actually, given that the vast majority of top female marathon runners are African, that the the knowledge there must be even you know, lagging behind us. So, um, yeah, it's going to be, take a long time to, to change the thinking globally. Yeah, I think so. But I know the marathon runners I work with, we definitely take into consideration. So, you know, people like Ali Dixon, people like Holly, who I've worked with in the past, these are all things we've always spoken about and mm. discussed um, at great level because it's important, right? It's, mm. it's like it, it makes a difference in terms of how they train and how they feel and how they sleep and how they recover. So, um, yeah. I've got to say, like, even this podcast made a massive difference to how I'm thinking about it because there's been times when I've gone to, like, do 12-hour races or 24-hour races and I've just been like, Ali, what's wrong with you? Like, you can do this. Like, why are you such a flippant idiot hole? Like, why can't, why are you knackered? Why you've slept properly, you've eaten properly? But it's like, no, actually, you're like three days for your period or you're like four days after your period. And it's made a huge difference to me to go, you need to give yourself a little bit of a break every now and again, because honestly, you're just, you're not the same as everyone else because you're just a woman person who has things that go on in their body that, don't happen to men and also are not the same as the women so for me this has been really really helpful and I hope that it is massively helpful to other people as well thank you yeah I hope so too I just I for me I, I just always always want to empower empower people with education whether it's women or men I just want them to be empowered with the education to know that they can be the best version of themselves right and that's all you can really do you can't be any more than that so um that's what I've always been about. And that's kind of what I hope I continue to be about for, for a while anyway. And then um, one last question, which is completely unlinked and I apologize for that, but it's because I know I was, someone requested this at the national running show and I forgot to ask it then. It might be, we've already asked it in the last interview, but um, and Jodie might recall because it's two vegans, but this is um, someone has asked, can you ask um, if you can, cover any iron deficiency particularly in female runners that are vegetarian vegan and running lots of mileage are there any kind of quick solutions or or things to look out for or telltale signs so i've already addressed 
the fact that a low iron level might be because you're not getting enough energy. And I would check that out because one thing I'm definitely noticing in clinic is that we are getting a lot more vegan athletes coming in and a lot of them are low energy availability um, because it's actually quite complex to get enough energy on a vegan diet. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying you can't do it, but you have to be really on it. Um, and it's not just about, you know, the, the, there's a lot of just changing things for vegetables rather than thinking about the carbs and the protein and, and the overall energy that you need. So the first thing I would say is please make sure that you're actually getting enough energy in the system. Because I have, I honestly, I would say in the last six months alone, probably eight out of 10 clients I see have become vegan and they're not getting enough energy in the system. Um, But in terms of options, it's much easier with vegetarians, obviously, because things like eggs are a great source of iron and they're still an animal version. So you absorb the iron much better. Um, And um, so, so, so that's kind of one big advantage of, of, of being vegetarian but when it comes to vegans it's just making sure that you might have to take things like fortified cereals so you know quite a lot of cereals are fortified so that's a good way of getting iron yeah. in but obviously making sure that you're having beans and pulses because they're a good source of iron um dried fruit is a good source of iron green leafy vegetables are but they also contain quite a high amount of oxalates which can can affect your absorption of iron. So whenever you're using any sort of plant-based iron, you need to make sure you take it with vitamin C because you you enhance the absorption of iron much better. Failing that, um, then you probably will need a supplement. And I would use a liquid source, like a liquid supplement of iron, not a not a capsule because liquid supplements tend to be better absorbed than, than capsules. Um, the only other thing I would say on this, because it kind of does, it does sort of um, go with the conversation we've been having, is if you are a female athlete um, on the pill, on the contraceptive pill, again, that can um, affect your absorption of iron because it affects your gut biome. So it can then affect your absorption of iron. So and, lots of things to think about there. And you mentioned um, about one of the potential causes being not taking on enough, enough energy. Do you have any kind of really handy, simple, high energy vegan solutions? Cause I know a few friends struggle with it's, a lot of it's actually conveniently finding healthy, high energy stuff. Any, any tips that you know of? Well, I'm a big fan of peanut butter and oat cakes um, because they're nice, high in energy, and they're easy. You can usually carry them around because you get little sachets of um, peanut butter and almond butter and stuff. Now, um, obviously, you could have things like you can um, make up protein shakes. So, if you get a really good vegan blend of protein and you made that with something like oat milk, you'd get quite a good recovery shake, which would be a good option um, and, and can be quite quick to do. Um, nuts are great, like very high in energy. Um, so again, they'd be great just to throw into things, have as a handful, put into salads, throw into stir fries, that kind of thing. Um, and then I guess like making sure that you, um, you make sure you get enough essential fats. So using your olive oil, your rapeseed oils, um, avocados, um, 
seeds, nuts, nut butters, that kind of thing. It's quite hard to get enough energy in mm. from a from a vegan diet point of view. It is actually quite tricky because a lot of the food you eat does tend to be more grains and and carbohydrates, which are actually and and pulses, which are all very low in energy overall, but also very filling. And that's the problem. It's, it's quite a voluminous diet, but doesn't always give you the energy that you require. Yeah, and, and those aren't necessarily that convenient either. If you're always doing brown rice and things. Um, well, thank you so much. We, um, we're we going to we'll reach out to Nikki Kay and get her on for more detailed talk about um, hormone replacement therapy and, and all of that. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If, if people want to download the ebook, where's the best place to find it? It's on my website, which is on reenamcgregor.com, and you'll find it under the Education Hub. So, um, yeah, it's a very easy to, to find. And, um, yeah, please do. Please download. And thank you for having me. It's been, been fun as always. Yeah, my pleasure. And if people want to reach out for potential um, nutrition advice, finding coaches, is, is the website the best way to contact you as well yeah definitely i've been getting a lot of um messages through instagram and guys i just don't check instagram (laughs) (laughs) because i am i've just i've been like even today i know it's bank holiday monday but i've been working i've been in clinic all day so Mm. um it's just really busy right now um and so yeah it's probably best to contact us through the website because i have a i have a team who will look at every single email whereas instagram is just me and i usually i'm a bit useless so um mm, yeah same <laughs> well thanks so much Rini. and um well, well we'll no doubt get you lined up if you're if you're happy at the, the national running show again yes. so uh that was that was quite scary <laughs> oh really <laughs> I didn't expect so many people to come. I thought, <laughs> Neither did we. <laughs> okay, so next time, next time, what's happening is Hellard won't be there, Rainsford won't be there. It'll just be me and you and Mimi and Camille, and that'll be it. Having Yay. a good old yap, and none of this whole them sitting there nodding sympathetically as we complain about crying on a trail run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it was. Um, I remember I took a fr- I brought a friend with me, and um, I was like, "Yeah, I'll be like, I'll be like." I said to her, "There'll probably be about five people watching me, so." it'll be fine don't worry about it and we got there and I was like oh it's quite busy but they'll they'll all disappear in a minute because they're not here to see me it's all it's all fine <laughs> and then we got on stage I was like I can't actually get to the stage there was <laughs> it was bonkers absolutely bonkers. but it was like that all day so it wasn't just about me but it was um yeah it was uh crazy I, I have to say Renee it was actually all about you and we've had like so much good feedback so yeah you're definitely invited back 100%, 100%. Oh, I hope so it was really good fun and um I'm glad we all got to see each other before this crazy global pandemic which <laughs> stopped us from seeing each other again so yeah uh, indeed by January we'll be able to see each other again that'll be good yeah <laughs> 100% well um thanks again if there's anything we can do to help let us know and we'll we'll be in touch to get you back on at some point for something else but if, if you do come across new research anything like that let us know because we, we'd love to hear about stuff like that perfect all right thanks for having bye, me Julie. guys have a bye. good good rest of the day bye <laughs> Yeah, really, really educational. Interesting and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more silence from us than normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't, the thing is, it's, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? That, um, I mean, it's great. It's great that we have Ali there as well. So she can, you know, put her personal experience into it, uh, you know, and talk from the perspective of um, uh, female listeners, because of course we can't really add anything. Um, but 
it's it's really interesting that I don't know about you, but the amount of education that uh, that men receive around this, and mm. the amount of uh, understanding and knowledge, and you know, it, I mean, like I don't know how you know, people go out, that, yeah, how far people go out their way to understand you know other people, um, especially you know uh, the the other people who make up the fifty percent of the uh, the rest of the world, um, but it's just that understanding that knowledge of like how you know like Rini's calling for quite a radical change in the way that like women train. Um, and, you know, yeah, with so many male coaches out there um, and so many people who, you know, uh, influence and affect um, training, you, you know, you think the awareness of this just has to be much, much greater, which I suppose this is kind of like first steps. But th- I'd, I'd say, I'd go as far to say, and it's, it's not like me to make outlandish comments, but I think this is the most important thing that can happen to sport possibly ever. I can't think of anything else that is so fundamentally different that has been, because think of how many people have been put off sport because they're, they're forced to do things at at a time when they shouldn't, maybe shouldn't be, or how many people have, have, have felt, embarrassed to talk about things and you know the fact that Ali for example even now as a, a lady in her 30s who is very outspoken and and you know, really listens to her body is, is shocked to find out that you know she's training the wrong way and that actually how she's feeling and how and and, and essentially Ali's been feeling like crap being herself up about something that she has no control of and we need to absolutely transform everything there's not any training plans that exist for women properly for women from what Rini said imagine that every bit of training a woman has ever done in running is not good well it's not that it's not good is that it doesn't allow it that Mm. they're they're when they're supposed when you're supposed to be um, monitoring your training for um, for progress or anything else, it's being more highly affected by your hormones at that point. So your hormones are actually the things that are dictating how you feel, rather than the effect of the training plan. Because your hormones are—I <laughs> mean, that's the thing. Like we were saying, like hormones are like are massively powerful, and mm. not just in women, in men as well. And so much of it can affect what what you do. Is the the idea that you know, I mean, it seems really obvious now, but the idea that, you know, a, um, uh, you can push through when your hormones are in the same. And what you were saying there was absolutely right. Like, at the moment when so many, like, especially in your teens, when you, when you like, you hit puberty mm. and you have hormones, like, flood through you. This, again, for men and women, you know, and you're being asked to do physical activity, um, compulsory physical activity on a, you know, a daily, weekly basis. Um, and, you know, you're, and you're having to do things like, you know, take your clothes off in front of other people um, and, um, you know, and, and go out and run with like no proper stretching or anything else like that. And, you know, I just think the amount of athlete, amount of like really good athletes, the amount of good people who, you know, would have carried on with sport 
if there'd been any of that taken into account when they were going through like the years where you know they were going through puberty and there was a better understanding of how your hormones affected your performance and how it made you feel when you ran and why you know you, you feel negative about things the amount of people who would have carried on with physical mm. activity had there been a better understanding by those who were coaching them and training them and and it, it just it just is it's it's massively eye-opening and and even and so much about training and and even just staying healthy and fit and being active is about motivation and if you constantly are basically beating yourself up or you're not performing as you'd like to and so potentially you're seeing that you're not progressing when actually you are you just aren't you're just not measuring it at the right time that can really be demoralizing and also that's got to stop a lot of people from from finding a, a love for sport or or really engaging in training plans as, as as fully as they potentially could yeah yeah and it's weird isn't it like with all this um I, like over the past few years like one like the big trend in sport is personalization is it personalization mm. and customization of training customization of nutrition everything like that but, but the big like this is a big <laughs> big like menstrual shaped hole in all of this that no one has thought about, uh, which I'm sure there are lots of people. It's just that, you know, we, we know Rini and we're in the world where Rini is, is, is bringing light onto that as well. I'm, I'm sure mm. there are lots of people who have been doing it and haven't you know, managed to get the, the message out there. Um, but yeah, when we're talking about like personalization and customization, yet this seems to have been massively because the thing is it's, it's weird for us because we don't know what we don't know we mm. you know i the thing that came to me when we were listening to that and you asked the question before i asked it was um should you know should training plans fit in with menstrual cycles or can training plans just be exactly the same it's just to have a better understanding of how your menstrual cycle affects it um, and and really said you know that you should build a um a training plan Around the menstrual cycle, around the menstrual cycle, which seems so totally obvious mm. once it's said, and mm. you kind of think, well, surely that's been done already. But it, it's incredible that it isn't. Um, but it's just not something that you know us as men will have ever thought about. As, and, and especially as the fact when she was mentioning that the, your cycles can be anything. Was it twenty-three days up to forty days? So yeah. Yeah. it's not even as if you can to build. Yeah, We're so absolutely. used to finding a website where here's a marathon training plan. You look at it and you're cool, use that. But you can't do that in these circumstances. They have to be tailored. So, um, yeah, it's really what I love as well is because so we, JD and I have discussed this a bit before, do batters when we um, just before we start recording this. And we wanted to point out basically, we, we, it, it's quite a straight interview because it's so easy, I think, to, to be childish and to that, that instinct of like smutty laughter, periods, all of that. And even thinking about it now, can you imagine, think about your running club coach. Can you imagine him standing up and saying, hey, guys, who's on their menstrual cycle? That, that would be so cringy, certain it would never happen. And actually, why not? Why, why can't we have this awareness of and just acceptance of normality that women have periods and sometimes 
they've got higher insulin sometimes they don't and like why is it such a taboo subject? it's probably more taboo than than sex well i i i suppose it comes down to, i suppose the reason in that situation would be embarrassment and that's mm. embarrassment or fear of causing embarrassment mm. and so i don't know it's it's just one of those things isn't it that um and it i mean it's it just it, it kind of reinforces the fact that we so desperately need more female coaches because I don't think we're ever going to find the solution where it isn't embarrassment and, and, you know, until another generation's time when it's so commonly spoken about that it, it no longer is a taboo. So in the interim, we do need to have far more female coaches that then girls can, and women can, can openly speak to and have these training plans and, you know, actually get something that works for them it's i mean it's a it's a general societal issue like mm. you know, not even in running like outside of running mm. uh pe- people tend not to talk about it um, the, the, the thing that i i think is really interesting that we we touched on is that the, the one of the potential troubles is it is a it is a hindrance to a certain extent and so therefore are we going to see a situation where suddenly if you want to be competitive, everyone goes on the pill or everyone uses the coil or because people are, people will go to any lengths to win at the top end. And so is this actually going to have a big impact on the, on, on the, the drugs that, that women use and, and potentially is that going to impact on things like childbirth and you know, that there is, I think there could be a darker twist potentially with this, sadly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know. I completely see that. I think, yeah, when um, really early we're talking about, you know, on the start line um, in, mm. in an elite women's race, how many people are actually having a period? How many people are, um, are you know, are in have that you know their bodies in that physical state of being capable of doing that as well um and it it's really it's really it's one of those things that just you just as a a man you just don't have to think about like it's so it's Mm. just you don't have to think about it at all and it's not until someone sheds sheds light on it in this way that you just think oh it's it's really i mean like you're balancing physical performance at running or something against you know possibly not having a child but you know delaying that or um or, or yeah or, 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 or changing yourself physically whether you want to have a child or not but it, it and it seems quite a big thing and maybe it's not such a big thing for for, for, for the women to make a decision about it um it's one of those ones where there's just so much that's thrown up for it. Like, I think, it, you know, if, let's, I'd love to hear from like do-badders, like female do-badders um, and male do-badders, um, which pretty much covers 100% of do-badders. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I didn't, I just said Not do-badders. the job do-badders. do-badders. I'm sorry, actually, I had to think about it. I had, there, there, there may be other genders of do-badders that we haven't covered it within true. that. That's so true, I do, yeah. I do, I do apologise for that. Um, but uh, I'd love to know how many, uh, how many men have listened to that who literally have literally that is the first time they have heard any of that <laughs> or they know any of that and that was it just the, us or maybe <laughs> the first time they've even heard what happens on a menstrual cycle like what even happens to that that would be interesting and i'd like to know like how many um 
how many women who listen to that like they either they've known that already or they're aware of um uh, of the impact that you know their, their menstrual cycle plays on on their performance and what they've done about it um because that would be really interesting whether you know this this is you know something that people are are looking at and factoring in um yeah it's just it's um and and also so how do you then like if if we if we reckon if we go that next step and we recognize these huge differences is there a duty by organizers to try and create an equal playing field because the fact that Rini said some she can't even balance when she's uh, you know on a period what about gymnasts that's it's insane right that you could have the the difference between someone who is having their good week and someone who's having their bad week in performance and it, you know it'd be interesting to see and to have a study to actually so we can understand it better because oh you know, is it the case that well if, as you're saying if having a menstrual cycle if being like um, you know a bit of you mentioned, is big enough to um uh, render um clinical studies inaccurate because you can't do a, yeah. a double blind test then that says everything that you need to know about the impact of it yeah 100 percent. yeah if it but, has, um, if it's if it's scientifically if it has that much of an impact yeah so it's, it's going to be an interesting one and i'm hoping that this this is something that becomes more prevalent than the knowledge um or it needs to be um but good time to be a female coach i tell you that <laughs> Good time to be an online coach. <laughs> online female coach. Come on, you could own the whole market. That's it. This yeah, is... yeah, you, you could absolutely own the whole market. And soon there's going to be that integration with a watch potentially. But whoever comes up with the first website where you can actually put in your details of how long your period is, as your cycle is and where you are in your cycle, and then automates a training plan adapted to that, that is going to be a, a website worth a lot of money. I wonder, the thing is, a lot of the things that we was talking about, um, uh, you know, is emotionally affecting uh, your running. I was thinking, oh, do you know what? I, I display a lot of the same symptoms as well. <laughs> <laughs> but feeling generally, because the thing is, there must, I mean, I, I'd just be interested to see what the impact of you know, all those different hormones, like, um, mm. like we talked about um, uh, ghrelin and uh, leptin, I think it was as well. And that's around um, uh, hunger and and satiety isn't it and mm. you know it just yeah like the impact of hormones on everything just how overpowering they are and how um uh, how effect you know food like the effect of food on on each of them and you know it's just the things there's so many variables I, I think that's the other thing isn't it is that it's very difficult for um uh for people to have that much nuance in uh, in their lives. It, it's, it's a difficult thing to be able to handle. Um, mm. It's really easy to have a eat this, don't eat that. Eat this, don't eat that. You know, you, it's, you know, if you're if you're if you're trying to like um, uh, you know eat and train at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really saying I'm, I'm going to eat this every day and I'm going to make sure I'm going to get this amount of stuff and things like that. We um, want simple rules, don't we? You do. Yeah, absolutely. You want simple rules. And because, you know, by the fact of the nature and the fact that, you know, the simpler they are, the more you're, you'll adhere to them. 
you don't want all this, you know, oh, mm. and in week three, change to eating more potatoes or, mm. you know, do this. You know, you don't, you don't want that nuance in it because there's less like who you But actually, if it can make a massive difference to your, um, uh, to how you feel and to your performance, um, it's, you know, it's, I, I think that's, um, I mean, effectively, effectively, this could like completely wipe out the entire training plan market, couldn't it? That's the thing. Yeah. You know, like, like, have, like, you know, in Runner's World and stuff like that, with all their training plans and stuff like that, like, they're all like... They're no longer relevant rendered, for 50% useless. of the customers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we, we had quite a few questions, as we mentioned, to do with menopause and to do with... Um, hormone replacement therapy. So we will have that as another episode. It's probably not going to be in the next few weeks just for uh, just so we're not overwhelming the the males that don't want to listen to all of this, um, which there probably will be a, for a few, but don't worry, we're going to be having that, I'd imagine, in two months or so. Um, but if you like this episode, we haven't really got anything else similar to recommend just because, you know, for obvious reasons. But Let's, let's recommend some kick-ass ladies, shall we? Um, I'm going to start with Courtney DeWalter. She tells us about doing Big's Backyard, where she ran 267 miles um, in four-mile chunks, hour by hour. And she's basically the, the best female ultra runner in the world, other than maybe Camille, who we also interviewed. Um, I would like to uh, raise the game with uh, two episodes from uh, Rhonda Marie. Hmm. Rhonda Marie, absolute legend. Why is she so good? So good, um, but, well, because she's a good runner, but she also manages to um, do all of that when she is partially sighted um, and just like the kind of races that you just wouldn't, <laughs> you just think it's difficult enough doing if you were fully sighted, but, um, you know, the, um, uh, was it the Vault State um, race? There's yeah, hour, Vault State. 1,000 miles um, doing... Um, uh, Barclay Marathon, uh, just insane races. Yeah. Um, you know, and when such a cool started. person as well. Oh yeah, wonderful person, proper do badder. I think she was the um, probably first uh, first guest who uh, received an honorary uh, BBR vest. Yeah, yeah, I think she was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I, I'm going to throw in Stephanie Case as well, just because I loved death. She has trained for ultra marathons on the roof of buildings in Palestine she set up an ultra so she set up a, a running club for women in Afghanistan she's just a genuine all-round amazing person so there's something to listen to oh and of course our very own Ali Bailey Ali Bailey Ali Bailey yeah we've had it she's she's been the, the interviewee so I interview her quite a few times but there's been a couple of episodes where we've interviewed her as well firstly to talk about actually that'd be a really good one her first interview is really interesting because she's talking about depression and she also goes into the way her relationship with running changed and how it was a positive but then became a negative because of this expectation and actually that does tie in partly with you know as she was saying to, today in her those those feelings of just frustration and disappointment in itself. Uh, so it, it, it really ties in that really nicely. Um, yeah, I think, I think what would be a good idea is to return to, uh, to, to have Ali on in, a, in like a month's time after, you know, having taken into account the you know, things that we've talked about in this episode and see whether that's made an impact on, on how she feels about her running. Yeah, how she how feels about it, it. How, with, that, with, that, with that knowledge in mind and whether the, you know, it's been more accepted of the, 
um, the times when it hasn't been going quite well and the fact that it you know maybe is the period that's the, that's the issue her hormones being the issue rather than generally just feeling shit about yeah 100% that's a great idea um, so we'll line that up if there's anyone you'd like us to interview or any topics you'd like us to discuss then get in the Facebook group tag me if you want to put questions to our guests like we did today with Rini then follow us on Instagram we'll post there who we're going to be talking to in advance and you can put your questions in there and then if you've liked this episode, please do tell your friends. I, I think actually of all episodes, this is one that really needs to be spread around because as Rini said, it's just not talked about by anyone currently. And, 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 the, and the previous Rini episode as well, I think is worth listening to mm. um, and going back and listening to that, but especially about nutrition, about eating disorders as well. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and for everything she says, it's, it's so relevant and it's, it's so rarely talked about or understood as well, which makes it so interesting. So... Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. If you'd like this, please do leave a review on iTunes or wherever you see your, uh, get your podcast from and do subscribe. And we'll be back next week with another episode. See you later, man. See you, buddy. Bye-bye. 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 And give me one more try Cause I love like this Should I never ever die Come back Fuck you buddy